Yes, that is our theme for the next 21 days. If you want to take your notes out, our theme for the next 21 days is pray first. That that would be the first thing that comes to our mind when we are approaching a decision or going through a difficult season of life, that our natural reaction and spiritual response would be to pray first. Because again, prayer is not just some religious thing. Prayer is a relationship thing. And what I want you to know today, local city, is that you have a chance to know and experience your heavenly Father God. You have a chance to experience and know your closest friend who is Jesus. And you have a chance to experience and know the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us today to give us the power and strength to face this life. So what we're doing today is we're starting 21 days of dedication to prayer and fasting. And here's the statement that guides us every year if you want to fill out the first line on your notes. It's that this will be your best year ever if it is your best year spiritually. Again, we're 15 days into 2023. Maybe you've been doing great with your resolutions. Maybe you've already broken all of them and you've already made new ones, right? Like I heard a pastor friend of mine say, when I don't meet my resolutions, I just raise, I just lower the bar and then I'm to where I'm at and I do great. Right? Sometimes we get defeated by these things, but I want you to know that physical goals are great, relational goals are great, financial goals and business goals, they're all great. But none of them are as important as having a spiritual goal for 2023. And I promise you this will be your best year in all those other areas if it's your best year spiritually because your spirit is what affects and influences everything. As you saw on the screen during the opener video, the Bible tells us this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Here's what it says, always be joyful. All right, I think we can use a little reminder of that today, local cities. So when I get to the word joyful, I need all of us here to fill this room by saying that word, all right? So 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 says this, always be joyful. All right, let's try it again, because I think there was still about four of you that didn't do it. All right, let's try it again. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, always be Joyful, There we go. Oh, we sound like a great kindergarten class getting ready for our Christmas play. Never stop praying. Just want to lean into that. Maybe underline it, circle it on your notes today. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So many of us, maybe if we've grown up in church, we've gotten lost in, I don't know what God's plan for my life is. I don't know what God's will for my life is. What does it say? Just be thankful. Choose joy today and simply keep talking to him. Because, here's the next thing to fill out, is that prayer should always be our first response, not our last resort. I've heard it said this way before, that sometimes we treat prayer like the spare tire in our car, right? Like we run over, anyone ever gotten a flat tire before while you're driving? Few of us, okay, I've experienced it multiple times in my life because I usually ignore that like exclamation point like your tire gauge is low. Like, ah, it's okay, I'll be fine. And then your car succumbs to the weight and you have a flat tire on the side of the road. One of the most stressful moments I ever had when I had a flat tire was I used to be a youth pastor for a long time and we were driving through downtown Atlanta on the interstate 70 miles an hour and our back right tire blew. I got a passenger, I got a passenger van full of 15 kids. And in that moment, as an adult, you can't say what comes to your mind naturally because, like, you're going to get fired the next day, right? Like, you got you to gotta be calm. And I remember we were on the side of the interstate, and I was like, 
don't move, stay in the car, don't open the door, right? Because I'm afraid because it's a bunch of high schoolers. They're like, oh, we stopped, I guess I'll get out. Not realizing that we're on the side of the interstate, right? And luckily one of our other van drivers pulled up behind me, he was a mechanic, because I could not figure out how to get the, the spare tire out of this van. Because I didn't know, like I had always had a car, so you just, it was in the trunk. There's no trunk in a van. Right, And so he showed me, I, I would have been there for hours, never would have figured this out. He showed me there was like this long stick that you had to grab from under the seats and then you stuck it in this little hole and you cranked it and the tire somehow le- like lowered down from underneath. I never would have figured that out. Thanks, so glad he was there. But the, the issue is sometimes I feel like we treat prayer that way. Like if there's an emergency, if like I really need it, I know it's there. But how many times have We got a flat tire only to realize that our spare donut is flat too. Been there, it's why I keep a cigarette lighter, uh, like uh, uh, air compressor in my car to make sure just in case. See, the thing is, is life doesn't work that way when it comes to God. Prayer cannot be our last resort. It cannot be our spare tire. It's gotta be the steering wheel. It's gotta be the first response. We don't run to social media. We don't run to our friends. We don't run to even ourselves. We run to God and say, God, what were you trying to show me in this? God, what are you speaking to me right now? Because I don't wanna try and figure this out on my own. I need your help. Because I know at some point in our life, maybe it's already happened, you're gonna feel like giving up. Maybe you felt like giving up on God before. I'm so glad you're here because God wants you to know he's always been there and he's never given up on you. Maybe you felt like giving up on life or giving up on that one relationship or giving up in your marriage or your family. I want you to know today, God's with you and he's for you and he's working in it and he can give you strength when you don't feel like it. And here's what Jesus told his closest friends, the disciples in the book of Luke. Here's what he says in in chapter 18. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. That's the order of these 21 days. Because I'm gonna always pray and I'm never gonna give up. And in just a second, I'm gonna unpack what these 21 days mean with that pray first card that you got. But here's what I want to develop in your life through these 21 days. Honestly, not just for 21 days, but to become a habit and discipline for the rest of your life. Let me show you a symbol that I know all of us have seen and we know exactly what to do when we see it. How many of you guys have ever seen this symbol before on your device you keep with you every day? You see that symbol, And your thought is not, oh, you know, I'm good for the rest of the day, or I'm good for another few hours. No, your first response is, I gotta do something, or my phone's gonna die, and I'm not gonna be able to tell everyone what I had for lunch at this nice restaurant on my Instagram story. It's an emergency, right? Our first response when we see that is to run and find one of these. And it's usually tangled, and we have to get it all untangled. We find one of these. I have these everywhere in my house. Almost every outlet has one of these. Both cars have multiple for me and Adrian, right? Because I know when I see that, my first thing is I'm gonna go grab this because I know it's going to charge back up what is dying and what is empty. As silly as it may seem, can I encourage you that spiritually you need to realize when your life is feeling depleted, when your energy is drained, when you're feeling tired, stressed, and overwhelmed, and feel like about everything's just gonna go dark, you need to run to pray. You need to run to this, to your true source, which is if I plug this end into the phone, but this isn't plugged into anything, it's not gonna solve the problem. And I think for too long, we've been 
plugging our, our, our life into things that are drained of themselves or that will run out of power eventually. But I need you to know today that your source of your heavenly Father God will never run dry, will never run out, can solve any problem, can win any battle, because that's the God that we believe in and that's the God that we're talking about today. So maybe you feel like you're on red. I mean, the iPhone's gotten even more like, hey, just so you know what to do, it tells you to plug the thing in. <laughs> and today I'm telling you, plug back into God today. Give him a chance or go deeper with him. Just remain in him today and see what he's got for you. Because as we talk about pray first, I wanna give you a quote before we dive into the heart of our conversation. Here's what one of my favorite spiritual authors says, Eugene Peterson, about prayer. He says, prayer is never the first word. It's always the second word. God has the first word. Prayer is the disciplined refusal to act before God acts. I'm just gonna let you take a breath and read that yourself for a second. Prayer is the way we work our way out of the comfortable but cramped world of self and into the spacious world of God. That's my prayer for you, local city, for these next 21 days, is you'd get out of the world of self and our own problems and our own priorities and into what the spacious world of God into the spacious experience of having a relationship with him. Because God already has the first word to build our theme out of one word. God already has the first word. And it's, hey, I'm here. I'm ready to go. This is home. I got a relationship for you. All you gotta do is accept it, step into it. And man, you'll see there's no other way to live. So today, it's all about praying first. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me one more time as we open our hearts and listen to lean in what God's gonna do today. Father, I pray that theme, that title would be on all our minds today, that we would pray first. Even in this moment, God, maybe we're feeling stressed or we're so overwhelmed or we're so worried right now in this moment that we can't even listen and lean into the message. I pray right now we would simply pray, God, I'm gonna give you a chance here in the next few minutes. I'm just gonna take a deep breath and be at peace. I'm gonna pray first. God, I pray today you'd be in our conversation. God, I pray as all our local city kids and teachers are doing a great job over there, I pray our kids will learn how awesome it is to be able to pray and fall in love with Jesus. I'm so thankful that our kids' church is not babysitting. It's a church experience where they learn about you. And God, we give you our best today. We love you. We thank you. And God, as I'm talking about today and as you've commanded, I'm going to pray first that tomorrow night you would make a little grace and power for our Tampa Bay Bucks to make it out of the first round of the playoffs. In Jesus' name, we all say, come on, give me a good amen, everybody. I, I'm just telling you, you know, again, I tell you every week, God says, pray the desires of your heart, and he knows that's a desire of mine. And it may be the last time we make the playoffs for a while, because who knows what Tom Brady's doing. Pray and he might stay, who knows, retire, who knows? But I'm gonna pray like it matters, because it does. As we jump into our, in our message this morning, would you take the card out that says pray first on it, and I want you to turn it over. Because as I'm speaking today, I want you to think about the blanks that are on this card. At the top of the card, it says, this will be, again, my best year ever, if it is my best year spiritually. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of take a few minutes here out of the message to tell you how you step into these 21 days and get the most out of them. The first thing is, is again, you have to step into what we call fasting. Now, on the back of your notes, it says this statement here that I'd love for you to write down, and I'll introduce this statement, and then we'll go through the card. It's that prayer connects me to God, and fasting disconnects me from the world. Prayer connects me to God, and fasting disconnects me from the world. Honestly, I'll be honest with you, I love that it comes in the beginning of the year, because I need some disconnection of some of the worldly things I've let seep back into my life. 
to become a priority or to take precedence over things. And I need to not only disconnect, but I need to connect to something, just like we talked about before, I need to connect deeper to my true source. And so the first blank says this, over the next 21 days, I am choosing to fast, and as I explain this, I want you to pray over this conversation today and the rest of your Sunday, what should I fast? Now, what I say every 21 days is, I'm not gonna tell you what to fast, that's between you and God, but I will tell you to fast, even if it's a small decision. Now, what is fasting? Again, fasting disconnects us from the world, but it increases our dependency on God and helps us see that he truly is all we need. So what is something in your life that has become God in your life? Is it social media? Is it music? Is it food? Is it your time? What has become God and taken his place where he needs to be put back on the throne of your life again and made first? See, fasting is about a removal and a replacement. So there's a few different fasts you can do. You can step into what is called some sort of food fast, It's not fast food, not what I'm telling you to do for 21 days. I'm telling you to food fast, which means you could take a meal during the day, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and just skip that meal and spend the normal time you would with God. You can spend time with God instead of going out to lunch with your coworkers or skipping breakfast, whatever it is. You're like, I don't know if I can do that. Exactly, that's the point. Because when you fill your spirit up with the things of God, you realize that he is the only energy and nourishment that you need. Maybe it is social media. Well, you don't just remove it because that's what something, someone who isn't even following Jesus would say. You remove social media out of your life for 21 days and you replace it with time in God's word. You replace it with time praying. You replace it with time listening to worship so that God can fuel your spirit. So God can, again, make this your best year spiritually. People ask me this all the time. I'll give you one that I think all of us should try and do if we've never done it before. People ask me all the time, like, hey, Ryan, what's your secret? How do you stay, you know, how do you keep your mental health sane? How do you not give in to the chaos and craziness of not only pastoring a church but having two young kids? And my answer is always the same, is I listen to 99% worship music. That's all I listen to. Doesn't mean at the gym every now and then, some old 90s and early 2000s stuff doesn't creep in. But 99% of what I listen to is worship. Why? Because music has an effect on the way we think. Music has an effect on what gets in our mind and what gets in our soul. And when we listen to worship music, it's kind of like a sponge situation where you're just saturating yourself with the presence of God. You're saturating yourself with statements like, one word, God, from your authority can change everything. Realizing that God is great (laughs) and so great, I can't even imagine him or even explain it away. And I would encourage you, maybe make some Spotify lists. It's just worship and give that a chance, but do something, all right? And ask God, what would he have you do? The, the food fast, the social media fast, the worship, or like only worship music type fast, waking up in the morning, do something for 21 days and see what God does. The second thing is, is if you do that, I believe God's gonna show you some amazing things and where, where, where you want, I want you to fill in the next blank is, this is what I'm believing God for this year. And I want that blank to be big. What are you believing God for? Are you believing for your marriage to be restored and get healthy again? Are you believing for your family? Are you believing for a miracle? Are you believing for healing? Are you believing for a job situation or just God to make a way where there was no way? I believe that you can write in a miracle in that space and God will do something miraculous in your life. But you gotta believe for it. You gotta believe that God can do it. So what is the one thing if you were to say, you know what, Ryan, if I could pray a prayer and God would answer it, here's what I would pray. That's what you need to write in. 
and not just that you'd win the lottery, because anyone would write that. I'm talking about something spiritually significant for you, right? So what am I gonna fast? What am I gonna believe God for this year? And the third thing is this. We believe in this wholeheartedly at Local City. It's actually our mission statement to bring the hope of Jesus local. These are the two people I'm gonna pray for this year and who I'm gonna invite to church. Because I believe when you pray for other people, it taps you into the heart of God. When you pray for other people, you begin to realize just the purpose you were created for here on this earth to make a difference in someone else's life. So whether it's maybe it's a coworker or a family member or a friend or your neighbor, who are the two people you're praying for and also who are the two people that you're inviting to church? Because I believe there's an empty seat next to us It should be our heart to fill that seat because what we talk about is not just some checking the box religious thing. It's in a relationship that someone can enter into that will change their life forever. And we give them the chance to do that. Here's what Jesus again said to his disciples, this time from the book of John. And this is what we're giving people the opportunity to do. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I love how Jesus says, hey, just so you know, here's the answer. Yes, I am the vine I'm talking about. Because he had realized the disciples didn't really pick up nuance. Like he could say something directly and they would be like, oh, interesting, right? Like Jesus had taught them for years, hey, you gotta be a servant first. You gotta care about others. And then like towards the end of, end of Jesus' ministry, they're asking and arguing about questions. Jesus, how do we become the greatest in your kingdom? Have you not been paying attention? Whose last shall be first? You gotta serve others, care about other people, love God, love others. That's it, right? So what he says is, okay, just so in case you missed it, disciples, I'm the vine, right? You are the branches, Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Here's the line I want you to lean into for yourself and for those you're praying for. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. Honestly, some of us, we're gonna be able to accomplish a lot in the earthly realm, but spiritually we're doing nothing. And spiritually is the only thing that matters. If we don't make our business a spiritual kingdom-minded business, it doesn't matter how successful it is. If we don't make our physical appearance, if all that stuff is great, but if it's not spiritually significant, it doesn't matter because that's what lasts. Our relationship's the same thing. Our success and personal life and social media following, all that stuff is fine, but it's only earthly. See, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing in the spiritual world without his help. And I want you to know, again, the best year comes when it's your best year spiritually. So the very bottom thing I gave you is a prayer to pray every single morning over these next 21 days. And it's this, Heavenly Father, I surrender myself to you. This is on your card. I surrender my hands, my feet, my eyes, and my ears, my thoughts and desires, my hopes and dreams, my talents and opportunities. I surrender all. Thy will be done through me today in Jesus' name. And I promise you, if you pray that prayer every day for 21 days, Here's what it says, is that daily surrender will empty us of ourselves and fill us with the Holy Spirit.
There's the prayer. That's what you step into every day for these next 21 days. And I promise you, as sturdy as this stage is under my feet, the foundation you will build spiritually will make a huge difference in your life and become the most important relationship in your life with your heavenly Father God, your Savior Jesus, and your closest friend, the Holy Spirit. We just gotta choose to do it. So if you're with me, local city, for these next 21 days, come on. If you're ready to see God move in your life, let's go. Sweet half of us. By the end of this message, it'll be everybody, I promise. Because here's what I want to give you. I want to give you four things about what builds a lifestyle of prayer. Because here's what happens when you remain in Jesus and you build that lifestyle of prayer. Now, I saw one of these last night. Um, and if you're a Jaguars fan, you're going to love this graph that I'm going to show you. I tried to find the one from the Bucks and Saints game, but it, they deleted it. But if you ever watch anything on the ESPN app, they always have these little graphs right here, which are like, if you can see it, it's kind of dark. But the graph shows like the percentage that a team is going to win, right? And so if you're a Jaguars fan, you know this graph well because this happened last night where they came back from 27-0 to win 31-30. They're a Florida team, so I guess we can be happy. Uh, but the thing is, if you see that they were playing the Chargers and for like the majority of the game, it's like, yeah, the chances are that's who's gonna win. Chances are that's who's gonna win. But as you see, things begin to happen. The other team didn't give up. They kept fighting, they kept making a way. And things began to trickle down to where it does, the only number that matters is that 100% at the end of the game. So what I'm telling you today, local city, is that your life may look this way. You may feel like the world's been out against you. You may feel like God's forgotten about you. And your mind and spirit look kind of like this graph. And it seems like everybody's against you. You're never on the winning side. Or you feel like you've been fighting so hard and nothing's been changing. And you've got to do your own thing. You've got to be in control of your own decision and emotions and feelings. If you would begin to just trust God again and surrender a little bit more, I promise you, man, 100% of what God's doing in your life will begin to break through. And you will see that he was worthy of it all, that he truly is the victorious conqueror that you can trust your life with. Again, nobody cares about that top line at all because it doesn't mean anything. So today I would say, man, maybe that top line is how much we've been trying to do on our own, how much we've been trying to accomplish we need to surrender and get down to 100% trusting God again, because that is what matters. And here's how you do it, with a lifestyle of prayer. So the first thing for the lifestyle of prayer is this, is that a lifestyle of prayer is built on the priority of prayer. It's got to be a priority. Pray first. It has to be a priority in our life. It cannot be secondary. It has to be our first response, not our last resort. It's got to be the steering wheel, not the spare tire. It has got to be important for you and I. Shepard has this little book called A Scary Choice. And what it is, it's an Old Testament story of a guy by the name of Daniel. And here's what it says from this story of Daniel in chapter 6, verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Now, you look at this verse like, wow, Daniel's a great guy. But what you have to lean into is what it says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, what was the law? The king at that time, Darius, because of his other advisors who were out to get Daniel because they didn't like him, they told him, king, Daniel's praying to God, but you're God because you're the king. So you need to make a law that no one can pray to any other God except you. And if they do, they should be put to death. But prayer was a priority for Daniel. I love that it says, but when Daniel learned about the law, 
That's when he immediately went to prayer. When he learned that everyone around him was saying, don't pray or you'll die, his reaction, well, guess I gotta pray. I mean, think about that. Like, everyone, they said, hey, if you pray, you will die. Daniel's reaction as a priority follower of Jesus and surrendering to God said, well, guess I gotta pray then. Because that's all that matters. Just as he had always done. And I love this. This, I feel like, man, if, if I had the confidence, kind of that, Daniel swagger, that spiritual swagger that he has. He's like, yeah, you know what? Not only am I gonna pray, I'm gonna go up to the second floor, throw open the windows and let everybody see that I don't care what your law says. I don't care what you threaten me with. God is my God, not you. Death does not scare me. So I'm still not once, not twice, but three times a day gonna throw open the windows and let you see, hey, I'm praying because my God matters and it's a priority to me and you cannot do anything against me because if my God is for me, then who can be against me? I am more than a conqueror because of Jesus. Come on, local city, I need you to wake up a little bit and get excited about the opportunity that's presented to you with the priority of prayer. I'm excited about this. I read this book all the time with Shepard. He's like, what's the choice, Daddy? I'm like, well, the choice was, it was scary. And if you know the story, you know that Daniel didn't care. The other, the, the other leaders did, and the king threw him in the lion's den. And the story is that the Bible tells us the angels went into that lion's den, shut the lion's mouth, And King Darius looks into the lion's den the next day and says this, has your God been faithful to you? Let me tell you, local city, that when you step into prayer and make it a priority, not everything's gonna go your way. That's not what prayer's about. But it is about when you pray and continue to trust God and those miracle moments do happen, even in the face of a lion and in the face of death, people will around you, people around you will look at you and ask, has your God been faithful to you? Yes. And then Darius signs a new law that says, well, there's only one God, and it's the God of Daniel. And that's who we worship. That's who we pray to. People around you are hungry for something that is stable, that matters, and that is true. And that is a foundation and priority of prayer in your life. So as I said last week, I always want to give you a practical with these things. The practical of the, the, practical of the priority of prayer is, again, the first 15 First 15 minutes of every day are God's. Not the snooze button, not social medias, not anyone in your family, not even your spouses. The first 15 minutes of your day are God's. And over these next 21 days, I encourage you, get up 15 minutes early, do five minutes in prayer, five minutes in God's word, and five minutes in worship, and see what happens. See what God does, see how he speaks to you, see how he strengthens you. Remember Jesus says, remain in me and I'll remain in you, for apart from me you can do nothing? Well, he goes on to tell a parable of what's entitled the persistent widow. And in this story, there's a judge who has ruled against this person. And she constantly goes to him and says, hey, here's what I need from you, here's what I need from you, here's what I need from you. And he's like, leave me alone. And she keeps coming back every day, judge, here's what I need, here's what I need. And finally he says, all right, just to get you to stop bothering me, I'll give you what you need. And he says, that's how you gotta pray. And God is way more faithful and loving than the judge in that parable, that's what Jesus says. As a parent, man, this story resonates with me, because I know, time three or four, no shepherd, no No, eventually I'm just like, fine, just do it. So you stop asking me, right? I mean, maybe a bad parent, but man, it gives me a little peace for like 10 minutes, which is great. 
Yeah, see, the thing is, I mean, sometimes it's just like we gotta keep going back. We gotta make it a priority. We gotta remain doing it. Because my fear is that you'll try this tomorrow and be like, didn't feel anything, Ryan. So much for the first 15. I'm like, it takes a little bit more than one day in a row, right? Again, it's, I've heard this example before. I love this example. It's why, like, you know, if you were to do this for 21 days, you, you brush your teeth for a few minutes every day, not for 20 minutes one day of the month or one day of the Following Jesus and spending time in prayer is the same exact thing. I'm not telling you you gotta spend your whole morning. I'm telling you to do it five minutes every day. See what happens. The second thing is you gotta, is you gotta have the place of prayer. You gotta have a place you go to. You gotta have a place that, you know, I'm, when I go there, I'm spending time with God. It's gotta be a distraction-free place. Can't be the car on the way in. It's not distraction-free. It's gotta be a place where you are like, you know what, I'm by myself, I am up, I'm, I'm, I'm distraction-free, I'm focused, I'm leaned in. This is the place where I go to experience God. Maybe it's your front porch, maybe it's on a walk outside. Maybe it's at the gym in the morning. Somewhere where you're distraction-free and that is where you can pray. And scripture promises us a few of these things. In Exodus 33, honestly, if you were to ask me what are some of my top five verses in the Bible, it would be this, one of, this would be one of them. Exodus 33, 11 says this, inside the tent of meeting, which is literally where Moses, the leader at this time of God's people, would go to meet with God, says the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. That is the relationship God wants to have with you. Speaking to him face to face, one-on-one, as friend to a friend. And afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but this is huge, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. I love this. Joshua saw that this was where Moses went to spend time with God. And he said, you know what, I just wanna be around that. I just wanna be around what God's doing. I, I want more of him. And Joshua, because of that, I think now he was a warrior. He was a strong leader. But I think it was because of this verse is why Joshua was chosen to be the next leader of God's people. Because he just wanted to remain in the presence of God, spend time praying. And in Mark one thirty-five, we see Jesus did this too. Before the daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. I would encourage you to maybe write in the the margin of this one is when I was journaling about myself after I'd kind of prepared the notes, and that in the place of prayer, I need a posture. And here's maybe a way for you to find the place of prayer. It's a place where you can do this. Let's say, God, here I am. When I kneel down in prayer, it's a sign of humility. God, I can't do it. This is a sign of surrender. I can't do anything without you. It's a sign of honesty, of lowering myself to realize, God, it's about you. It's not about me. It's a sign of help that I'm kneeling in his posture. I'm my, kneeling is my posture in this place. And that may feel different to you. It may feel awkward to you, but I promise you, you're never gonna grow if you just wanna do comfortable things. It's when you put yourself in that posture where God speaks. So here's the practical for this one, the place of prayer. Simply pick a place. You find it. Find it today. Again, I said you can start tomorrow for the 21 days. We're gonna finish out February 5th. That's the last day. But go find a place. Go find a place where it's just you and God, and you can pray to him and be open and honest. I heard a story that I'll share with you quickly. Uh, A pastor that I listened to was talking about in the early days of his church, there was a a wealthy businessman that came to the church, and he said, his name was, the pastor's name was Robert. He said, Pastor Robert, how do you spend so much time in prayer? All you talk about is the, your sitting room where you go and pray and spend time with God and see him do incredible things and see him move in your life. How do you do that? 
And Pastor Robert looked at this businessman and said, hey, just try it. Find a, find a chair you like and go sit in it. And try it for this whole week and come back next week. And next Sunday came along and the businessman came up to us and said, Pastor Robert, I can't believe it. You were right. I, I sat in this rocking chair that I've had forever and just rocked there in the peaceful presence of God, just prayed to him. And I felt like he started speaking to me and I had to write some things down. He's like, well, keep doing that. We'll keep doing that. And a few months went by and the businessman came to him and said, I, Pastor Robert, I don't know what's going on in this place where I'm praying in this chair, but I feel like God's told me to, to sell my business and, and just work Work at the church as a volunteer and do whatever you need. Pastor Rob was like, yeah, that sounds great. Do it. And so he did it, stepped into that and served at the church and then eventually became a pastor himself. And then his journey kept moving where he felt like he was called to, to plant a church and, and then through, use his business wisdom and, and business acumen to help that church launch and make a, dip, a bigger difference for the kingdom in another city and followed Jesus and spent time in that rocking chair year after year after a year, it was his place. And then in the story, Pastor Robert talks about how when that businessman died, one of his most treasured things was that rocking chair. It went to every house. It went to every place that he was where, so he could spend time with God. And it was this place where God spoke to him. And I don't want, you, I don't want to rob you of a chance like that, to have God speak crazy things to you and you're just like, yeah, if God's saying it, I want to do it. And the family talked to Pastor Robert about how like they all just revered this little rocking chair because of what God did in it and through it and because of what happened there. The priority of prayer, the place of prayer, the third one is the plan of prayer. This is where we get lost, but a plan helps us be prepared. It's the old silly calendar adage, you know, you can either, if you prepare, uh, if you fail to prepare, prepare to fail, right? That's it, right? If you don't have a plan, you're gonna fail. I'm gonna give you a plan. And Jesus gave the disciples a plan in Luke 11, 1, 2. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and his prayer was so exciting, so vibrant, so relational, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus has taught us to pray. It's called the Lord's Prayer. It's not a script, it's a model. And I wanna give you a bunch of plans to follow over these next 21 days. See, the plan of prayer, the practical, is to, again, pick a plan, pretty easy, and we've given them to you. On your card, there's a QR code. It's also the link on the screen, that localcity.church slash 21 days. If you scroll down, there's a, block of te- there's a block on the page that says plans for prayer. And you can pick one that you want. I would say pick one every day or pick one and, try- and do it for one of the weeks. There's the Lord's Prayer. There's a prayer called the Tabernacle Prayer, which follows the, the kind of the, the customs that the priest would do to spend time with God of asking for forgiveness, of cleansing his mind, of worshiping and praying for others. It's really powerful. There's the prayer of Jabez, which is all about God doing more in my life and expanding my territory and bring blessing into my life. You gotta pick one and follow it and see what happens. And here's the big one I wanna lean into you today is that it's the persons of prayer. You have to realize that the prayer, that your prayers have an audience that your prayers are powerful, not because of who's praying them, but because who is being prayed to. And here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the message translation written by that guy, Eugene Peterson, that I talked about. It says, the amazing grace of Jesus, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. If you would realize today and over these next 21 days that you're not doing this for, again, any sort of achievement or success, 
You're doing this to fall more in love with the persons of God as your heavenly father, as, your, as Jesus, and as the Holy Spirit. It will change the way you pray. When you realize, when you utter those words and spend time in that first 15, you will realize that those persons of prayer are who you're talking to. So every morning I look at this verse and I'm like, man, what do I need today? Have I been messing up? Do I need some grace in my life? Someone to say, hey, you have been messing up, but I've forgiven you, so get back up and let's keep going. Well, you know what? I'm gonna pray for the amazing grace that is found in Jesus that day. Am I feeling a little insecure? Am I feeling a little unwanted? You know what I'm gonna do that day is pray for the extravagant love of God to realize that I am his son who he created. Am I feeling a little powerless that day? Do I need a little encouragement? Well, you know what? I'm gonna pray for the friendship, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit who tells me to keep going when I feel like giving up, who carries me when I need someone to carry me, who gives me that word of encouragement when I feel like stopping. And this verse tells us that those things will be with all of you. Whatever you need, it's the persons of prayer. So the practical for this one is pick who you need that day. Pick who you need that day. Who do you need today, this Sunday, local city, as the worship band comes to join me? Who do you need today? Is it the amazing grace of Jesus? Is it the extravagant love of God? Is it the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit? Well, it's with you, and I just want you to step into it today. And here's the, here's the gift that we wanted to give you today as we close. Is that as you leave today, and if we run out of them, we'll get more, this, this little book right here like totally changed my prayer life. And it's simply called Reset. And I think maybe all of us today might just need to take a chance and hit the reset button on our prayer life, on our life, on our spiritual surrender and following Jesus. Maybe it's time to really hit the reset button and say, you know what, God, I'm giving you a fresh start. And I'm gonna start praying first. And what this book is, is it's 20 ways to a consistent prayer life. And every day there's like a two or three page reading with prayers, with verses, with questions. And this is a gift to you, but we've asked you to do one thing. We asked you just to buy it for a dollar. Why? Because I want you to invest in your prayer life. We could just give it to you, but I don't want it to join maybe all those little pamphlets and little books that are under your car seat or that are in your office drawer. I want you to say, you know what? My prayer life's worth a dollar. And if Pastor Ryan is telling me this is gonna change it and give it a reset and make it strong again, I'm gonna take a chance on it. And if we run out, like I said, we'll buy more. Your generosity makes it possible because these don't cost a dollar. But I want you to invest in your prayer life because it matters. Because when you invest in something, it's important to you. And I want your prayer life to be important to you because it will be the thing that changes everything. It will be the thing that changes your life, strengthens your relationships, but also helps you see the supernatural power of God that is on your side. Just like Daniel, I don't care what everybody else is saying. I know that the power I need in my life is found right here. That the breakthrough I need in my life is found in that rocking chair that I go to every day. That that relationship with God that I have, everything else is secondary to it because it is so valuable, so meaningful, and so powerful. It is a priority now. So I've got my place, I've got my plan, and I know that when I go there, I'm meeting with some powerful people. My heavenly Father God, my Savior Jesus, and my very best friend, the Holy Spirit who breathes his life into me. So I'm telling you, local city, give God these 21 days and see what he does. Give 2023 
all to making it your best year spiritually, and you'll see it be your best year ever. We got a great year ahead of us as a church, and I want all of us to be a part of it, and it all starts with committing to the priority of prayer in our life. Give me a good amen if you believe that today, and stand to your feet as we close.